talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and a variety of podcast platforms. Joe O'Donnell joined by the one and only, the very esteemed John Mita. Johnny Mita, we got a lot to dive into, a little... uh, Eagles talk, obviously, the Jalen Hurts era, so to speak, is underway. We have uh, an on-the-fly for one another. We've got a Phillies hiring of Dave Dombrowski to take over baseball operations. And so I hope you're doing well, my friend. Um, Glad to talk to you as always. Oh, yeah, Joe. I mean, I I live for these moments, and I'm sure the rest of Philadelphia does too as well. Because uh, nobody brings it like we do. But uh, hopefully everyone will enjoy the show, and uh, I'm looking forward to – Calling it like I say it. <laughs> All right, let's dive right in. I sure. want to, though, hit you with something that you and I didn't prepare for right off the hop. Uh, Sixers opened the preseason last night. From what parts you might have seen, what did you see? Well, I just, you know what? The first thing that stood out to me is, all right, damn it. We now have a bench. This is amazing. I think the biggest thing is firepower, right? Just as people were to take Embiid and Simmons out of the game and Tobias Harris, it's like, okay, what other scoring options do they have? And just look at the rookie alone. I mean, Maxie, he was great. He had eight points, um, three assists, and he only played nine minutes. You got Seth Curry, which can open up some things in the picking roll game with Joel Embiid. Simmons doesn't really have to shoot. That's the thing. He can just distribute all day long. They brought in the firepower, the snipers. I like where the team's at. They're really deep defensively, and uh, I think it's going to be an unbelievable season. And and you got to love the coaching staff. There's such a difference between a Brett Brown coach, Philadelphia 76ers team, and again, Doc, it's only one preseason game. I know people might think I'm off the wall crazy, but some people already think that about me anyway. But I like what (laughs) I see. Um, I mean, even even the addition of a guy like Dwight Howard, you know, he's going to be able to give you that solid backup minutes to Joel Embiid. And now that the schedule is so condensed with a 73-game season, there's going to be some half. Like, basically, Joel Embiid, he took off the second half yesterday. That was huge. So, I like it. I, I think they're going to be primed for, for, for a deep run. So, yeah, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And, again, Beauty. it's only one game, so. That's all right. And it was preseason, but, you know, it gives you a sense of what, what the team might look like. Um, good stuff there. Yeah, Speaking and Shake Milton, game. too. Just, you know, I'm not a huge Shake Milton fan, but, you know, he had 18 points last night. He's coming off the bench and being that that scorer against the Clippers during the regular season last year. The guy scorched him for like 40 plus points. So if he could give you that, that six man where you get that instant offense off the bench, that's going to be crucial. So. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, speaking of just one game, we've had one game of the Jalen Hurts era, and already most of Philadelphia, from what I heard this week, thinks he's Patrick Mahomes 2.0. And 
and uh, probably 10 Super Bowls coming the Eagles way. Um, I'm uh, being, of course, very tongue in cheek there and, and, and not being completely honest with the, the pulse of the city, but it seemed to be a lot of positivity. And I think a large reason for that was just sort of the change to what we had seen from the Eagles over the last month or so, which was dreadful football. So I'll say this. It appeared very early in that game against the Saints, an upset win for the Birds, that they were having some fun. And I, I don't know that the Eagles had had fun for like four weeks. Um, you know, when Hurts came into the game against the Packers, they seemed to get that quote-unquote spark. Against the Saints, it was there. You could tell from the players' emotion, their body language looked different. So at least there's that, right, to the equation. It was the best game of the year. I don't think there's even a question about that. It was, uh, you know, from a fan standpoint. And I was happy for the players to get a win. Look, we all want the top five draft pick if you're not going to make the playoffs or if the future of this team going deep in the playoffs this year isn't in the cards. Like, you want that You want that high pick. You want that impact player. But I'm also happy for the players, the Kelseys of the world, the Brandon Grahams of the world, guys to get a win, to put in the work all week, to beat up their bodies, to do nothing but lose and then get trashed in the media can't be very fun. So, uh, nice win. You and I were going to dive in a little bit about what we saw from Jalen Hurts here in a second, but I just had a couple more quick things that I wanted to touch on uh, from the win over the Saints. First of all, Miles Sanders, I mean, broken record time, but we've said it. Give that guy the football. What a run that was to the house. Stiff-arming Jenkins, taking it 80-plus yards. His third huge, huge chunk rush of the year where those sort of game-changing plays. Uh Javon Hargrave now all of a sudden playing better, at least from a sack standpoint. He's starting to get some pressure on the quarterback. Maybe he was just hurt and playing through that injury the first few weeks of the season. Uh, but at, for a while, it looked like a terrible sounding, signing by Howie Roseman. Hopefully he continues to pan out. Rodney McLeod's injury. Uh, just an absolute bummer, man. And, and look, this guy's, a, this guy's the man. He went to his charity event on Monday, right? Tears his ACL Sunday, still goes to the charity event on Monday. He is the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee from the Eagles for work on and off the field. He's done nothing but just suit up and play hard-nosed football since we brought him in. Member of the Super Bowl team. Doesn't say boo. And uh, a leader on the field. And certainly does a great job at the community. So I felt for, for Rodney McLeod and uh, that injury on Sunday. It's going to set him back, obviously, uh, into part of the next year, you'd imagine, because the ACL injury is, is such a long one to come back from. The Jack Driscoll injury that was announced, I mean, that guy played on a banged-up MCL um, for probably three quarters on Sunday. Got to give him some credit. The rookie draft pick. And two more things. I literally didn't see Travis Fulcom in the game until there were three minutes left in the third quarter. The snap count proved that out. I think he played 11 snaps. I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, and lastly, miss field goal. Cut the damn kicker. I, I, can't, I can't handle it anymore. And that fourth and short, the QB sneak they didn't get, those are things that change momentum in a football game. You know, you got to execute. You got to make those chip shots. You got to just sometimes take the three points, Doug, rather than always trying to go for it. Uh, so just some of my thoughts on the game. All in all, really enjoyed watching a game for the first time and what felt like forever. And I know, we'll, like I said, we'll dive into Jalen Hurts here in a minute. But uh, anything that stands out to you from the game? I just, I just, uh, for me, the biggest thing that stood out is got to be the play calling, man. It just looked like a different design offense, and I, I don't understand. Is that because Jalen Hurts has a very, you know, dissimilar uh, skill set than Carson Wentz? But 
they had him rolling out of the pocket. They did a lot of misdirection. They did some – they're running some ghost formations. We're trying to get the defense headed one way. Just It just looked like a completely different offense than what we've seen in the first – what is it, 13 weeks of the season? And it's just mind-blowing. And where is that, you know, getting Rieger in space? I mean, like, and again, like, handing the ball off to Miles Sanders. Like, this guy's had three touchdown runs over 70 yards, right? So, essentially, it's like, okay, you're well, good. Well, te- technically, he fumbled the one, or I think Whiteside picked it up. So. Right. <laughs> well, it might be four then at that point. But, yeah, you get the drift. But, essentially, yeah. like – so again, it's one of those people, right? What you do is you just you just keep plugging away, right? You, you give him the ball, he gets stopped, he gets stopped. But then there's just that opportunity. There could be that one home run hit where he's going to hit one and just give you a, a huge play. You have to keep that through the course of the game. So I do like that. They, again, you know, between Miles Sanders, 15 carries, Jalen Hurts, a lot of run plays for him. 17 yards. If there's anything we've learned, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball. But he was accurate. He was decisive with his decision making. Um, and and the defense. And I mean, it, the defense. Look, I mean, the, you know what the thing that really stood out to me. Bottom line, if any casual observer just watched this game, is that everyone just played better. I don't know what it was. Everyone just played better. And. Is that because we do they not like the quarterback? I mean, we really have to call in a question. Do they think Carson Wentz is, is an ass? I mean, I don't know. But it seemed like they all rallied around the young guy, and that could be, all right, we got a new young guy in there. But, again, look at the offensive line. I thought that was their best offensive line performance. Now, again, Jalen Hurts didn't get sacked. A lot of that he was making quick decisions with the ball, and a lot of that was his – you know, his great powerful legs and his escapability to be able to get out of the pocket when the pressure is coming for him. So that could be – it's a mix of both. Now, again, this upcoming week, now we're going to go with our 13 offensive line combination and 14 wings to the injury to Jack Driscoll. But two things that stood out to me the most are, number one, it seemed like the play calling was completely different and it was the most creative and imaginative play calling that we've seen all year out of this offense – and again, it calls into question who is actually calling the trigger on these plays. And the second thing is that the team just played completely different. I mean, everyone just played better. So those are the two highlights for me. They, they called three. They called three rollouts on the first two drives. All right, Wentz had just thirteen rollouts over the last five weeks, and that those aren't things that I'm making up or charting. That's what I'm reading on Twitter. Sure. Three rollouts on the first two drives for Jalen Hurts. Uh, and basically Wentz was getting two per game the last month plus. So, uh, again, it, to your point, like why the change in philosophy? Uh, obviously, Hurts isn't seeing ghosts. Obviously, obviously, he's not beat up. Jefferson agrees. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is – Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, at the same time, how – How's Carson Wentz taking all this, right? Because that that is a part of this, whether you want to admit it or not. And so the crystal ball plan for Carson Wentz will be the next thing we jump into here. But I, I just have one more thing on Jalen Hurts, right? He took off when he was needed, had some quick decision-making, which you like to see. Uh, there was a play late in the first half. They were backed up. It was second and 11. It was an RPO. Hurts kept it after he killed the original play at the line. 
you know, he ended up with six rushing first downs in the game. So he did a lot with his legs. Those types, those rushing first downs from the quarterback, we've talked about this, John Mita, those are killers for the defense. Usually they come on a third down and you don't get off the field. So, yeah, was some of it probably the Saints looking past the Eagles, looking ahead to the Chiefs, not knowing what to expect from Hurts? Sure. Some of it's probably Taysom Hill in there, not Drew Brees. I get it. Some of it's probably just the fact that, you know, the Eagles had a little bit of that high going with a new quarterback in there. At some point, Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw the football to have success. Uh, teams are going to catch up and get tape and know what to expect from the Eagles. This week will be a big challenge because, quite frankly, the Eagles' secondary is as banged up as anybody in the league. And the Arizona Cardinals present a lot of problems because they have some great wide receivers and a quarterback that can run. So it's going to be a tough week. I think this team will ride some momentum, though. And I don't expect them to get blown out by any means. I think they're in this football game right to the end coming up. But I liked what I saw from Jalen Hurts. Decisive, quick, uh, good athleticism. Throws a good ball, a tight spiral, pretty accurate. Uh, so for week one, you know, of, of the Jalen Hurts era, so to speak, I, I really thought it, the kid impressed. Yeah, I mean, it's – listen, in this day and age, the way quarterbacking is going, you have your Russell Wilsons, your Kyler Murrays. You have to be mobile. That's kind of where this, this league is trending. And he did a nice job. I mean, are there a lot of things to improve on? Sure. But they called some plays for him. They kind of put him in some good spots. And, you know, committing to running the football, I can't stress it enough. I'm sure I beat this hammer 350 million times. But running the football just becomes the quarterback's best friend. And – and it helps out your offensive line because you're not asking them. You're asking them to go up and hit somebody. And, again, we right. saw another good performance out of Jordan Malata. This guy should have been starting. Once he proved himself early on, that was it. They should have put Peters yep. on the bench. That was it. This guy's been in the top conversation, according to Pro Football Focus, being one of the top linemen. So it looks like you might have solved your problem as far as left tackle of the future. Again, Andre yeah. Dillard is still – well, I know he stinks. But. Listen, I, 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 to me, and I, and I wasn't able to, to look this up, but you know, I'd like to check the Ravens game, the Steelers game, when they actually had some success offensively as a group and see what that line combination was. Because I like Nate Herbig. I, I, you know, he, he's a big boy, and he's an undrafted free agent, but he's played pretty well this year. Driscoll, the young kid. You know, from Auburn, what, fourth or fifth round pick? He's played really well. Uh, you know what you're getting in Kelsey. Say Amalu was hurt a little bit early in the year. He seems to be rounding out for him. And you got my lot at left tackle. Like, I think that that's their best five, at least on the roster currently. And now, of course, Driscoll gets hurt. But I just feel like that group, as you touched on, it was the best game from the offensive line. And I, for a while, I've been feeling like that's the five to go with, not just this past week. I'm talking about like the last three or four weeks with those guys healthy. That should have been the group. Now, I know Driscoll was sort of mysteriously out of some practices and who knows what the hell was going on. But that's the five. If they're healthy, they should be out there. Unfortunately, now with Driscoll going down, we probably won't see that group again. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it's nice to see that because the, their offensive line has been an aging piece of this team for years. And yeah, and again, exactly. we don't we. We like to think that Lane Johnson's going to come back from his you know, pretty much collapsed ankle, um, but there's going to be a lot of questions in the in the offseason. And 
with the Eagles cap situation, you're not going to have the money to just go out and, and pay free agents. It's got to come from, you know, one of the 50 miserable draft picks that Howie's drafted. But if some of these guys can play, that's a good thing because they are coming on the cheap because that's how you build your team Yep. within the draft yep. as opposed to free agency. Let's go, sure. of course, to Brandon Brooks, yeah. rehab and injury. I mean, he, he's a huge part of what they're trying to do in the future. Crystal ball for Carson Wentz. How does this thing play out? Now, we're gonna, well, I'm sure we're going to beat this to death, you and I, on the Brotherly Love Podcast. You can follow us at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at Love Podcast. I'm sure we'll talk about this a ton over the next four weeks and into the offseason and all those sorts of things leading up through the draft. But how right now, if you had a handicap how this thing plays out, what's the deal? Well, I mean, it, it's it's I again we we talked about this weeks ago, Joe. It's like Carson need a reset. It's yep. it's really going to depend. It's going to depend on does this team win three games down the stretch? Do they not win these games? Is there a new coaching staff? Uh, the biggest hurdle with Carson Wentz right now is his contract. Essentially, with his cap number being close to over fifty million dollars. That's going to be hard to trade away, and you are going to have to eat so much dead money. So in all likelihood right, – It's like 30, $34 million if right. he's – So in all uh, likelihood – Like if he's right. traded. So in all likelihood, you're going to have to eat right? dead money. And I don't think he's broke, and it's not a bad thing to have two quarterbacks here. The problem is, are you going to want to keep the pressure on him? So then do you trade Jalen Hurts because he's proven that he might have something in the tank. And all in all, if I look down the crystal ball, as much as I hate to say it because I'm a Carson Wentz supporter, I think they're going to find a way to trade him in the offseason. And the the teams that – there's three possibilities. I'm thinking Indianapolis Colts with Frank Reich. I'm thinking possibly the New England Patriots. And the third sleeper team, even though they have an established quarterback, but I think there's some ways they can wiggle out of their contract, is Jimmy Garoppolo. So – I, I think they're they're going to move on. I don't think it's the right decision. Colts, Colts, Patriots, Colts, Patriots, and Niners are your three teams where you think Wentz would most likely be yes. next year. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it. Yeah, I, I just, listen, you can't, you can't, you can't have them both on the roster. You can't. Next year. You just you can't. can't. And and you created this situation, well, Howie Roseman. So now you got to yeah. deal with it. Um, here's how I see it. And again, this I'm sure will change and tweak, and we'll go over it <laughs> yeah. a ton of times, but. To me, it's it's Jeffrey Lurie's call, 100%. Is he willing to trust the personnel department or the new GM or the old GM? Does he believe in the coach um, or is it a new coach? Is he willing to eat 30-plus million dollars that basically he is, you know, essentially like you, the player's not on the roster, yet that's dead cap money. Like you – it's a terrible – listen, the Eagles are $60 million over the cap next year roughly without making any, any adjustments, um, without cutting guys, without you know potentially moving on from players or making trade. They're already in a bind. And then to watch a guy go play for somebody else and have him take up such a big part of your salary cap when he's not even there anymore, that uh, – I don't know. That's an organizational decision that they've got to make, and it's probably going to start all the way up at the top. Uh, you know, do you hope that Hertz plays well, like you said, and you can move him and acquire some assets, but if he plays too well and then you win out, now your draft pick stinks. So 
I would like to see this on Sunday, and I hate saying this. I'd like to see them lose in a shootout. I'm talking the Eagles offense puts up 35 or more points, but they lose the football game because I think that's the that would accomplish a couple things. It would continue to give us a real glimpse in that Jalen Hurts skill set, how good he might be. It would obviously make for a fun football game, but you get the loss, which helps your draft status, and it possibly increases any trade value for Hurts. Or, like I said, if you figure he's the guy, at least, again, you're getting to see more positive glimpses of that. So I think best-case scenario for an Eagles fan, again, I I really don't want it to play out like this, but I think a a shootout loss, a a high-scoring game, but the Eagles fall a little short is maybe the best thing as we continue to see how this thing shapes up moving forward. Again, we'll have much more clarity in the, in the coming months, but there's no way both can be on the roster next year. And I think ultimately Lori's going to have to make the call. He's going to have to make a lot of calls. All right, Johnny Mita. You know? Yeah, exactly. That is the scary part about it. It's not just one decision for this organization. It's GM, it's coach, it's quarterback. It's a lot, a lot of big-time decisions. Uh, want to jump to the Phils, or you want a couple of uncles? Uh, jump to the Phils. Go ahead. All right. Dave Dombrowski, hired to essentially run baseball operations. Been with the Red Sox. He's been with the Tigers. Will he hire a GM? Whose shows are going to be ultimately? We'd imagine it's Dombrowski. Uh, but crazy to think that somebody would uproot during a pandemic since John Middleton didn't think that was possible. But they get a proven uh, figurehead for the organization, a guy that – his track record, from what I have read, is make trades, be splashy in free agency, but blow up the farm system to do it. He's had success. He knows what it's like to win World Series. But a lot of times when he leaves an organization, it is in shambles and essentially in a rebuild because the farm system's depleted. Now, you could argue the Phillies don't have squat in their farm system anyway, so maybe he's the right choice. Obviously, priority one is get JT Real Muto back in the fold. But what did you think of Dombrowski, the hiring, uh, and what you um. heard? I listened to his press conference. He's had success um, with the Boston Red Sox most recently in 2018. Uh, it's very interesting. He was trying to start this venture in Nashville, trying to bring a major league franchise to the Nashville area, which would be awesome. I'm sure they'd love it there. It's one of the best towns in the country. Um, but it, it just he just seemed like when you listen to a Matt Klintak, you just feel like he's feeding you a bunch of bull, whatever. When you listen to this guy, he seems very transparent and open. Um, They asked him, is this a rebuild? No. He said there's too much talent to just – he believes that it's just more of a retool is in order. The question is, you know, what type of – his deal is four years, 20 million. So I guess he's getting five years or uh, five million per year. Um, The question becomes – what are they going to do, right? The biggest thing is, can you get JT Real Muto on this roster? So Middleton opened up the pockets for this guy to be the head of operation, but it still seems like some of these idiots are still in place that are also controlling some of the major decisions. Um, so I like I like the hire. Um, the one thing that I heard was there was a knock that I don't know if he's really good at building a farm system. Um, so that becomes worrisome to me due to the fact that in all likelihood, the Phillies have probably one of the worst farm systems in all Major League Baseball. Um, so that comes to, you know, a little hesitation. But you know, I'm willing to give them a chance. At least they've gone out and made a move as opposed to sitting on their hands and, and you know, 
and with all the talk of the fireside sale and everyone's unhappy, it's just it, it you get the feeling that there is some type of direction moving forward. So that's a big positive. Certainly. Uh, we'll see what's next for the Phils. Some teams are starting to make some moves. The Mets have been active. And we'll just see how it shakes out. But I think, you know, the first thing was to get somebody in place, especially that's respected. So I give John Middleton credit for that. But everything else we've seen this offseason so far from the Phillies has been a complete disgrace. And they still have a lot of work to do to win back some of this fan base, which uh, I'm sure you read and saw and heard. And you're, you're there. You're in the market. Uh, you've got the pulse on it, Johnny Mita. It's it's ugly right now. If you had a poll from the fans and say, you know, rank your teams one to four, whether it's passion, uh, you believe in their ability to succeed, where they're at, most likely to win a championship, any of those those metrics, so to speak, the Phils would be dead last. I mean, I'm seeing people on Twitter like, don't go to games, don't buy their merchandise, screw this team. So they've got some work to do to repair, um, you know, the sort of – just the feel of the vibe of the city with regards to their organization. And to think that even that that would have been possible a couple of years ago, seems crazy to me. Yeah. No, but they gotta, they gotta get it figured out. They gotta get it straight now quick. And the first step again, getting real new oh, back hundred percent. And right now, the good thing is the Mets have signed uh, McCann, the catcher from the white Sox, I believe. So, and he got yep. four years, $40 million. Apparently, Real Muto was trying to get into that $200 million range, which seems like a lot. I mean, don't you think? I mean, that's what? It, depending on the length of years, he's asking for $50 million? Is that right? Did you hear that? I mean, if if it's if it's 10 years, $20 million a year, something like that. I mean, I, yeah, 10 years, $20 million, I'm on board. I don't think that's I, I could. Well, yeah. but again, he's – how was he? 31? 30? Some in that range? 10 years. Well, again, backloaded. Well, listen, you right. gave you, you can do the Bobby Bonilla backload, right? So you could pay him for six years and just for give 13. him a see you later. Thanks for your yeah. service, Jeff. So. But I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I didn't like. I didn't like messing around the whole time. We talked about a month ago. He's okay. 29, real mutual. Gotcha. He'll be 30 in March. So, yeah. anyway. All right. We digress. Let's move along. Uh, before we get to on the fly, I've got a stat of the day. What else are we missing, Johnny? Mita? Well, we got a few uncles for yeah. you. Yeah, let me just give – I got one uncle, okay? And, and, and it's in regards to Major yeah. League Baseball. Okay, so I don't know if people have heard this news today, but the great baseball reporter Bob Nightingale has reported today that apparently there is another rift brewing between the owners of Major League teams – and the Players Association. God, it was only a year ago when this started to surface, but now it seems like we're back. Apparently, the owners want to delay the season. They want to start the season in May, and the players, and they want to cut the season down to 140 games, and the owners are asking for every player and all the people in regards to running the team get vaccinated. The players are going to have a riff with that. But the players want their full season because they want all their money. So, Uncle, back to the same old crap. I can't take it. So, Yeah, we were just complaining about it in July before the season exactly. even got started. And they weren't, they weren't getting stuff worked out. Here they are again. Craziness. Um, all right, I got a couple for you. Quez Watkins, a touch pass on 
on the run, coming across in motion, gets a touch pass late in the first quarter. Now he's able to play. Quez Watkins, now he's able to play. He couldn't play for 13 freaking weeks. Yeah. Uncle. The pre-snap penalties on Sunday. Uncle. The missed face mask on Goddard, 20-yard pickup, catch and run. Uncle. And G. Ward. G. Ward. Like, Greg Ward back there on the first three uh. punts of the football game on Sunday. Uncle. Can't stand it anymore. To the stat of the day, Johnny Mita, this one, you better hold on to your socks, brother. I'm about to blow them right off. Here you go. This is from Keith Pompey on Twitter, friend of the Brotherly Love podcast, by the way, one of our OG guests from back in the day. Pompey tweets out the ABA, NBA, all-time three-point percentage leaders. Philadelphia 76er Seth Curry, second all-time Johnny Mita. Second yeah, all-time at 44%. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Plus. I, I know it's high 40s yeah, or mid-40s. Crazy. Yeah. So Steve Kerr's number one at 45.4. Seth Curry of the Sixers now, 44.2. Number three, Hubert Davis. Drazen Petrovic's number four. Duncan Robinson currently number five. And Steph Curry currently number six. Other notables, former Sixer Kyle Korver, 10th all-time. Uh, B.J. Armstrong. J.J. Redick, a former Sixer, 17th overall. He's still active, obviously. So there's a handful of guys still active, and they could either move up or drop out. But ABA, NBA, all-time three-point percentage leaders. All-time, Seth Curry, second overall, 44.2% from three. Uh, uh, I found that very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you got to love the fact that if there was one thing that you saw the Achilles heel of this team last year, it was shooting the basketball. In the playoffs, when they got swept by the Boston Celtics last year in the bubble, they shot a whopping 29% from three-point line. So, yeah. On the fly, yeah, I'll Mita, start. you want to start? So, you know, this was brought up to me by, uh, you know, some of our, our frequent listeners, but they gave me this question. You know, the flyers yeah. that you have seen, who are your top five all-time flyers that you basically that you've seen play? Like my favorite players or guys that are like the best? Uh, whatever. You can mix both, but yeah. well, if you All right, well, I got Rod Brindamore's okay. in there for Brandy, sure. I like it. All right, Rod uh-huh. Rod the Bod. Give me some Johnny LeClaire, okay. Pride of Vermont. All right, give me some. Uh, well, you got to put Claude uh-huh. Giroux in El Capitan, sure. Numbers wise, he's going to be up there with. Okay. He'll be up there with Clark. Um. So what is that? Three, That's got more. me three. Couple other flyers. Man, uh, I got to get a D man in there, right? So Pronger, wow. Pronger, okay. got to be in there. Despite the very short tenure oh, yeah, of Flyers uniform, Kimo. and I guess I would, I guess, I guess I would need a, I guess I would need a, ooh, Kimo, yeah, Kimo team in it. Over Let's put Pronger in there as well. I think oh, over Pronger, yeah. Well, my five would be. Um, go ahead, and then I guess, hold on, I guess I need a goalie. Okay. I got three boards and team like in it right now, so I need a goalie. Come on, man. Uh, There's only one goalie to pick. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Dude, Swiss cheese with the five hole with the five hole so far. Who is Swiss cheese? You got yeah, dude. Of course, are you kidding me? Ron Hextall, get out! You Uh, you being the hockey guy. You got to remember, you 
you got to remember, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even like the Flyers well, growing true, up. But, you know right. Well, at least you corrected yourself. So let let me give me give me some Brian oh, Boucher. Oh my there. god! Me, or Garth nah. Snow. Give oh, me a little Garth god. Snow, maybe. I can't believe. I'm definitely not taking. Oh, Hedmonic, he was the best. Are you kidding me? Or how about yeah. Ilya Brezgalov? Huh? So yeah, Brynamore, oh, Leclaire. Giroux's yeah. got to be in there. Um, I, I yeah. teaming him was awesome. Yeah, yeah. He just did so much, and he was an absolute warrior. Uh, but that fifth spot, you know, maybe a little ah, Simone Gagne. You know, I could, uh, I could get down with Simone Gagne. Uh, yeah, there you go. Good question. I like it. Um, all yeah. Right, you ready? Um, well, let me just give you mine. So Monday, hold on, no, mo- Monday. Come on, right. come on. we gotta okay, go. Come okay. On, e Hoss, man. Eric Lindros, man. He was a stud. You gotta go, Mark Howe. I mean, how do you not name one of the Hall of Fame defensemen, Mark Howe? For God's sakes, Joe. Obviously, Hextall was. Dude, he was played in the eighties. You watched? You yes, I do actually, Howell? and I. I was actually at his oh, reti- I was actually when they at the, the the Detroit game where they retired his number, which was awesome. And then I broke up with my girlfriend after that, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who else did I have on there? Yeah, Mark Howe, Hexy, Giroux, Lindros, and Rick Tocchet was kind of on my list. Oh man, oh, Rick Tocchet was Rick a stud. Tocchet. Yeah, I have a Rick Tocchet jersey. All right, and don't forget. Don't forget, uh-huh. no relation, no relation, but Sean O'Donnell yeah. once upon a time. Okay. There you go. Flyers defenseman. All right, here we go. Uh, Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football yeah. left the game late for, quote-unquote, cramps, returned to throw the game-winning touchdown pass. Uh, um, and the Ravens beat the Browns. What a game. What a thriller, oh. John Mita. Then the next day, people were like, maybe Lamar Jackson actually had to go poop. So I'm going to ask you, John, meet on the fly. If you had to take a poop mid-game, would you admit it afterwards? I'm all about transparency, Joe. This is the year that we tell the truth. As you could see, as he was running to the to the locker room, you could see that he was – he had the, a straight case of the BGs, man. So that's kind of what it looked like for sure. So if you were pooping mid-game and well, you returned to I mean, he was in there earlier. I mean, what did, what did they say? He was in right there, on I mean, he was in there earlier, right, for cramps, getting IVs? Or was that the same? Yeah. Okay. Allegedly. Yeah. He, he was, was going for a while. November. And he did. Uh, people people were analyzing that, that kind of limp run walk back to the locker room yeah. like he was. I mean, that's kind of what it looked like. I'm glad you said it on the podcast, and I didn't have to paint that picture for the people. (laughs) Well, Lamar, nice comeback win. All right, Johnny Mita. uh, Prediction. Um, I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to say the birds come up a little short, 31 to 23. All right, I'll go 34-31 Cardinals. I'm just concerned with the Rodney McLeod injury and the yeah, their whole secondary is just, We all know yeah. I hate him. He stinks. And we know. But yeah, so maybe you can get exactly. that next and man we, up mentality. And we know how well Jim Schwartz adjusts to stud wide receivers on the other side of the football field. So uh, <laughs> hopefully big play. Sle- well, Darius Slay is in concussion Yeah, he's in concussion protocol. Yeah. All right. Either way, go birds. Let's hope it's a fun game. Johnny you B. Got great it. Stuff you too, my up. friend. You're the man. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. That's right. Godspeed. 
Happy holidays. Go birds. Till next time, brother.